0: What's up, Faramers? Welcome to the Ferrum Athletic Company podcast. I am your host, Andrea Warner. I am also the co-owner and co-founder of Ferrum Athletic Company. If you would like more information on us, please visit our website at www.ferrumathletico.com. And now, on to today's show. What's up, farmers? Welcome to this week's edition of the Faram Athletic Company podcast. This week, I would like to tell my own personal story. So I was thinking about our podcast for, I don't know, the past couple of days, and I realized that I talked to all of our coaches, I talked to my business partner, I've talked to clients, I've talked to a lot of people, and here and there, I've dropped snippets of my story, Um, but not really the full story in its entirety. And really, the only person who really knows this full story with all of the details would be Sherry. But I would like to offer a little bit of vulnerability and tell you all my story and where I've come from. So let's start with Once Upon a Time. (laughs) In the grand city of Evansville, Indiana. Don't be jealous. That is where I was born and raised. Nice Catholic family. I went to Catholic school my entire life Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Um, and I attended the University of Evansville for college in my hometown. Starting in about fourth grade. Um, I played t-ball in first grade, if you would like to count that as playing a sport. Um, But starting in about fourth grade, I took a liking to sports and joined the volleyball team. And played volleyball and basketball starting in fourth grade, and I loved it. I had always been an outside play-in-the-dirt kind of kid, which my mom loved when I would play in the dirt and bring her worms as gifts. It was her favorite. And so it was only a natural progression once they started offering sports to girls that I started playing. The next part of this story is one that I'm going to give some, um, a small glimpse into, but not a ton of detail because it's somewhat of a traumatic story for me. I recently had to tell this to someone that I really didn't want to tell it to but was kind of put in a position where I had to and I had to do it in front of our staff which this is part of my story that really only Sherry knows all of the the deep, deep details of and it's a big part of who I am. It's a big part of um how it has transformed my life um it's only been recently that i've acknowledged that due to this part of my life it's a big part of how i respond in certain situations during middle schoolish age i was bullied as a kid um not for any one particular reason other than the fact that kids can be mean. And I just happened to be the lucky person on the other end. And even though I went to a small Catholic school, there was only 24 kids in my class. For some reason, I was the lucky one. And due to those years of basically being bullied, it has changed it definitely changed me as a person and how I view people, how I view situations, how I handle things. I am a big believer in the underdog. I believe in helping people to a full extent as much as I possibly can based off of those years that I experienced. And once again, I'm, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail because I don't feel like I can make it through that with all of the details, but I will tell you that it's a huge reason why I dove so hard into playing sports because that was my way of handling the situation at the, at the time. It was my outlet. I played volleyball. I played basketball. I ran track. I joined the speech team. I I pretty much did everything that was offered that I could possibly join and put myself into to feel accepted in some way by somebody. And those years were really hard. They were really hard to have a positive outlook that things will get better. And eventually they did. Because I went to high school Um, Even though I went to Catholic high school with a lot of those same people, because it was a bigger school, I was able to make new friends, I was able to do other things, and it eventually all worked out. And it's a really big part of why I believe that everything in life happens for a reason. Like when I look back at my life, everything that I've been through has been a stepping stone to prepare me for the next step, even when I sat in those deep, dark places that I didn't think I would ever get out of, it 100% set me up for what was coming next. And even though those steps might not have been easy, they were a different type of hard than what I had already been through. And when you can look at your life as seasons like that, you can absolutely see why I wholeheartedly believe that everything in our life happens for a reason. So moving on into high school. In the fall in Indiana, the first sport offered for girls is volleyball. And I was convinced that I was going to be on the volleyball team until I wasn't. And apparently... Five foot four is not exactly the ideal height for a volleyball player. And when your really small school already has pretty much all of the players they already have decided that they're going to pick, you're out. So I remember my grandmother coming to pick me up that day from volleyball practice. And she was like, so did you make the team? I was like, nope. And she looked at me funny because she thought I should be really disappointed. And I wasn't. She's like, okay, well, are you all right? I was like, yeah. I said, I think I'm going to play golf. And she's like, really? I was like, yeah. I said, it's the only other sport offered in the fall. And I have to do something. I was like, I can't just go home. I've always played sports and I'm going to continue to play sports. So I'm going to join the golf team. My cousin, who I was really close to, he's a year older than me. He was on the guys golf team. And so that kind of helped with my decision. And I showed up for practice and coach was like, so tell me about your golf game. I was like, I don't have one. I was like, I've hit golf balls in my backyard. Does that count? It's like, I've never played a round of golf in my life. I've kind of tootled around on the golf cart on a rare occasion that my dad goes, but other than that, I've never played golf in my life. He was like, awesome, let's get you some clubs and you're on the team. (laughs) Great. I was immediately addicted to it because I wasn't immediately really good at it. It's like volleyball, hit a ball over a net, basketball, throw a ball at a hoop. Golf? Who knew that hitting a little white ball that's sitting stationary on the ground was so flippin' hard to do. But I was immediately addicted to it. And I immediately wanted to be better at it. So I started playing golf my freshman year. Um, I was cut from the basketball team my freshman year of high school. I ran track in the spring. My sophomore year rolls around. Golf in the fall again. Tried out for the basketball team again. And I made the team as a sophomore. So I played basketball in the winter. Ran track again in the spring of that year and each year running track my injuries were getting a little bit worse like my freshman year I partially tore a quad I was a sprinter I ran the 100 meter dash turn meter dash 4 by 100 meter relay and as the 5 foot 4 athlete it's only common sense that I did high jump when you all stop laughing I was mediocre at it. <laughs> my sophomore year, I sprained my knee and decided that playing golf was more important than running track. So I stopped running track after my sophomore year. My parents had worked really hard my whole life to be able to send my brother and I to private Catholic school. And in Indiana, our Catholic school system is basically a college prep system and they really wanted us to go that route. So my parents, my dad was in construction and my mom was an office manager for a sign company. And they both worked full time to be able to pay the tuition to send my brother and I to school, both all through grade school and high school. So as I was going through high school, one of the big goals that I had set for myself, besides getting good grades, was I wanted to figure out a way to have my college paid for. I didn't want my parents to have to pay anything for me to go to school. So I was willing to do whatever it took. I I was not the smartest kid in school. I really don't like to read. I'm not a very good reader. Um, my grades were... Decent, A's and B's, Um, but I was not like the valedictorian or some rocket science genius by, by any means, so my only option was going to be a sports scholarship, so that's what I worked for. My junior and senior year of high school, our golf team qualified for state. First states, my junior and senior year. Our golf team had never been to state, ever. We were the first team to qualify. And this was um, the fall of 97 and 98. I graduated from high school in the spring of 99. My senior year, I believe, we were undefeated. We won all of our matches. We won all of our big tournaments, city, conference um, and then we qualified again for states my senior year my dream came true when the University of Evansville came to me with a full-ride scholarship option to play golf for them starting as a freshman and even though it was in my hometown and I was gonna live at home to save money my parents only had to pay for books. Which was my goal for them to pay nothing really compared to what they had been paying for me to go to school and get a college education. So I started the University of Evansville as an athletic training major and I was super excited about this because I loved sports and I start I was starting to realize that I really liked helping people and this was going to be my way of doing it. Until I found out that as a freshman, I had to take advanced anatomy and chemistry. Advanced anatomy was fine. I took anatomy in high school and really liked it. Chemistry, on the other hand, as much as I love math and science, chemistry is definitely something that I just don't understand. I don't get it. Anything else? I like physics, algebra, geometry, anything else. Anatomy, biology, good to go. Chemistry, not so much. So instead of trying to fight through it as a freshman in college while trying to play golf full-time and figure out this new school schedule, I decided to skip chemistry altogether. I took the advanced anatomy class and fought through it with a C, with a professor who was unbelievably difficult and was so proud of myself for getting my first C when everybody else failed the class. But after that semester, it kind of dawned on me that I really didn't want to be an athletic trainer. I really didn't want to tape ankles for the rest of my life. I, I wanted to do something different. So I changed majors and switched to business and actually graduated from the University of Evansville with a business degree, um, with, um, a major in marketing, which I love to do super fun. I love the creative aspect of it. I love the communication of it. Um, and I'm really happy that I ended up with a business degree based off of where I am right now. During my time in college, Let's just say that when it came to nutrition, what I ate, what I drank, it was basically whatever I wanted and a lot of it. I went out drinking with my friends on a regular basis. I ate whatever I wanted. Um, I really like, like to, uh, cinnamon rolls, cereal, pizza, in college, Chinese food. I mean, just the typical American college diet of crap. And that's what I lived on. And it's funny, knowing what I know now, I wish I could go back to college and eat better, get better sleep and drink a hell of a lot less and see what my grades and my golf career would have been like. But, sex is life and based off of what I did at that time, it once again helped create the story that I have now. When I graduated college, I once again had a goal that I wanted to play professional golf. And I knew that my hometown was not where I was going to be able to do that. I knew that I was going to have to move. And I was going to have to move somewhere where I could practice all year long. So in December of 2003, I packed up all my stuff and moved to Lakeland, Florida. 14 hours from my hometown. I've never lived anywhere outside of my hometown my entire life at that time. I was 23, left my family, left my friends, had no job besides playing golf, moved to Lakeland where I had no family, I had no friends, I had no job, and got an apartment, had a sponsor, and I was going to start playing golf. I qualified for... excuse me, I qualified for the Futures Tour, which is a tour right below the LPGA. And I played on that tour from December of 2003, really the start of 2004 season, until 2010. So for six years. And lived in Lakeland for three of those years until I... Met a new golf coach who was up here in Jacksonville. A friend of mine introduced me to him. And I found myself up here more than at my apartment in Lakeland due to the fact that my golf coach was up here. So I packed up and moved to Ponte in December of 2006. And lived in Ponte until I bought my house in 2009. But I traveled the country playing golf and learning a lot. I would leave my apartment in the spring and we would travel from Florida to states in the south. We had a tournament in Louisiana. We had three tournaments in Texas. We would move to the Midwest where we would play Kansas, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio. Then we would go up east where we would play Vermont, New Hampshire, um, Albany, New York, We played in West Virginia, we played in Beltsville, Maryland, and then I would return back to my apartment in the fall. We were in a new city every seven days. We would each drive to each tournament. We would stay with guests or with guest housing, I should say. People would volunteer for us to come and stay there. And I lived out of a car for six years, basically. I would pack up everything I own. I would drive the country and play golf. And then I would come back to my apartment, exhausted, tired. And huge learning, learning experience. However, I would say as a golf career, it was not very successful. If you're looking in terms of money, that's for sure. Very successful in terms of learning. Learning a lot about myself. Spent... A lot of time alone. Um, it's a very individual sport. Even though you're traveling. With 144 people. That you know. As soon as you step on the first tee. You don't have any friends. You're. All there fighting. For positions. And you're friends afterwards. But not daring. Which is a Good learning experience especially if you're going to transition into being a business owner which a lot of the women that I played golf with a lot of them still play Um, a lot of them are now coaches a lot of them are professional coaches a lot of them are business owners and they're very successful they're very good at it and it's it was an honor to be able to travel and play with so many amazing professional people Some of my best friends I met during that time. And in fact, one of my best friends is Australian. And I got the opportunity to go to Australia for three weeks for New Year's one year, which is something I would have never done had I not played. Somewhere in that time, I'm wanting to say 2006-ish or so. 2000? No, I moved in 2006, 2007, 2008, somewhere around in there. I decided that when I came home from tour that year, my off-season job, I was going to get my certification and be a, start being a personal trainer. In my mind, I loved sports. I loved working out in college. My, I had a, one of my best friends drug me to like every gym in town. I had a kickboxing membership at one time. I had a rock climbing membership at one time. I was a member at, our family was a member at the Globo Gym in town. I would go to kickboxing class and then walk down the complex to the Globo Gym to lift and then play basketball for however many hours before I needed to go home and do homework. I, just, I loved sports and I loved every aspect of it. And what I was starting to really love was the anatomy and health Part of it. So I decided I want to be a personal trainer. So I came home. Got my certification while I was out on tour. Realized I really didn't know what I was doing. But was hoping that the person that I got a job working for at that time would help me learn more. Well, it didn't really go that way. I was still basically self-teaching myself what to do, but the environment that I was in in that area didn't really set me up for success as far as appreciating what coaching and personal training could really be like. I felt like during that time as a trainer, I was just viewed as a status symbol Like, you get invited to a party because you're the trainer. You don't really have a name. You're the trainer. Um, The client would show up and basically be like, I pay you a lot of money. I don't like any of the exercises you program, so I'm not going to do any of those. I want you to give me what I want to do. And at that time, I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's what we're going to do then. So I had not a very good taste in my mouth for... Personal training and coaching and what it could really do to help people. Fast forward to 2009 and I'm at the point where I want to move. I want to be out completely on my own. I want to own my own house. I'm getting to the point to where I'm at the end of my golf career and I'm ready to not live in my car. I'm ready to have my own place. So I find a house um, in St. Augustine, which means that I need to leave my job and find a new job, which I did at a gym on 210, where I became a personal trainer and was basically on my own, standing on my own two feet. And That's where I really started to learn how to help people. Got my first personal training clients and I really started to love it because I really started to see where I could really help people. Moved into my house in the fall of 2009. Started working at this new gym in the fall of 2009 And in the spring, I'm sorry, in January of 2010, the new owners of that gym approached me and said, hey, we would like for you to be a CrossFit coach. We are recently a new CrossFit affiliate. We would like for you to be a CrossFit coach. We want you to shadow under our head coach. And then six months from now, go and get your certification and we want you to start coaching classes awesome, okay, I've been watching you, I've been watching them do these exercises, and I'm intrigued, so let's give it a try, and the first workout I did smashed me in a way that looking back at it now was really pretty dang unhealthy, but at the time, it made me mad, kind of like when I played golf, I wasn't immediately good at it, So I became obsessed with it because I wasn't immediately good at it. And I started to wake up every day thinking about how I could be better. How can I be better at this? How can I be better at this? I need to spend hours upon hours practicing and training and learning because I'm really not good at this. So I did. And during those early years, I did everything. I don't want to say backwards, but I would say rushed. Because I'm watching what everybody else is doing. And I'm asking my coach, hey, how do I get to this level? Hey, just do this. Well, I want to learn how to do muscle-ups. Okay. This is what you need to work on to be able to do a ring muscle-up. Nowhere in there was it, you should do strict movement. You should be stronger. You should do this. It was, hey, just do this. There wasn't really a progression to it. So I started... Doing high-volume Olympic lifting, I started trying to win and go as fast as I could, which later on, being a coach for however many years and being a gym owner, is what I learned a lot of people get into because it becomes very addicting because we all have that, that competitive spirit and that we want to be better kind of feeling. And we have a tendency to start out with a certain goal. And soon we throw that goal in the trash can when something else bigger, better, shinier steps in. So anyway, I get my level one. I'd been personal training now for, I don't know, a couple of years. I had been studying and mentoring CrossFit for about six months. Get my level one and start coaching classes. And looking back on it, really didn't know what I was doing. I was just going off of what little knowledge I had of movement and it was funny i remember starting to coach thinking that i was super scared to correct anybody because what if they thought i was stupid what if they thought i was wrong what if they learned that i really didn't know what i was doing um it was it was actually pretty scary um Because there really isn't any kind of formal education besides some, like, two-day certifications and self-experience. But I stuck with it because I was there pretty much on my own. I opened at the gym that I worked for. I was there every morning. And I figured out my coaching style on my own. And through this whole personal journey, you know, I said in my 20s, I ate and drank like crap going through college. When I played golf, it wasn't any better because then I'm out on tour and everywhere we went, there was a party to go to. So the drinking aspect didn't get any better. You're traveling on the road. You're staying in other people's homes. So as far as food and quality of food is concerned, we ate what we could afford, which was like McDonald's. Um, pretty much anything that we wanted and anything that we liked. And it was not healthy. Not at all. And it was a very stressful, very stressful way to live. You just, you never knew how you were going to play. You never knew what your income was going to look like. You never knew how much money you were going to have. I remember the price of gas at that time shot through the roof. And I remember being in, oh my gosh, it had to be the Northeast. And the price of gas for the first time ever in my lifetime went above $4. I was like, how in the hell am I going to get back to Florida? Florida. I'm going to be stuck up here in New Hampshire (laughs) because gas is $4 and something. Thank God I had a little Mazda 3 that didn't take a whole lot of gas. But anyway, during my 20s, I had this mindset of I want to always be the, the nicest person I can possibly be and everyone will see how nice I am and Everything will go great because I'm just so nice. And I quickly realized that in the real world, that only gets you so far before everybody realizes how nice you are and they walk all over you. And that's very much what it felt like. Like everything I did felt like I got walked on. From friendships to relationships to... My working career to everything Andrea can you do this yeah I can totally do that oh okay well thank thanks for doing that for us Um, see ya man this sucks so when I turned 30 I had like this new attitude that you could very much call an attitude maybe an attitude problem. And that attitude was that I was done. Like, I'm done. I'm done being walked on. I'm done being treated this way. I'm done feeling this way. This is game on. my, My 30s are about Andrea. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad sometimes it doesn't lead to the best way of handling situations and once again I lived and I learned during my time of coaching and starting to coach and figure things out um, Sherry enters my life at my old gym she was a client took her through personal training and we became good friends And during that time, I was explaining to her that I really felt like I wanted to own my own place, that I felt like we could do a really good job offering a professional level of customer service, and basically wanted to know what she thought about that. And she was like, sure, (laughs) You know how laid-back Sherry is. Sure. That sounds great. So we did. I was fired in January of 2012. Very last day of January. And I called her and said, hey, um... We're not working out today. And if you'd ever like to get Sherry really fired up, tell her that you're not working out today. She went through the roof. She's like, what? What do you mean we're not working out today? I was like, well, remember how we talked about potentially opening a gym? I was like, well, it just happened. I was like, I just lost my job. She's like, what? I was like, so let's go looking at places I said, and we need to go look at somewhere in Julington Creek. I said, I really don't want to be anywhere near this gym because this is their area. I was like, I want us to open a gym in an area where there isn't one and reach a whole new clientele. That way, if any of the people from here want to go to where we are, it might take a little bit more of an effort. They're going to have to drive over there. I don't want to steal clients from another gym. That's not how I want to start this business. And she agreed. And we went looking for area for gyms in Julington Creek and ended up at 618, our first location. And you guys know the story from there. It's in multiple episodes of how we started our business and we started as a CrossFit gym and we learned a lot. A big part of what we've learned has been our own personal journeys. And I told you that for the longest time I ate and drank whatever I want and paid no attention to it really because my natural physique is the one that if I stop working out I lose all of my muscle mass really quickly and I lose a whole lot of weight which a lot of people are gonna be like oh my gosh you're so so genetically blessed well, you can be genetically blessed one way or another and what I learned especially when I was out on tour is when I was out on the road I didn't have anywhere to work out consistently and I didn't I stopped working out altogether And I would lose 20 pounds. So every year I would start my golf career at 140. And every year I would come back weighing about 118 pounds. I would lose 20 pounds of muscle mass over the summer. And I would come back super weak, super small, none of my clothes fit. But I felt sick. Like I felt weak. And that's a really crappy feeling. It really doesn't feel good. So for me, what's important is being able to maintain my muscle mass in a very healthy way. That's a big part of my health. And it took me a long time to realize that. I remember my first coach looking at me saying, hey, listen, if this is what you want to do, you need to clean up your diet. I was like, why? It's like, it's I don't feel like I'm overweight. He goes, It doesn't have anything to do with being overweight. He goes, it has everything to do with your health and how you perform. I was like, whatever, I'll give it a try. So I remember the first time that I really paid attention to what I was eating, I the first thing I did was I quit drinking milk. I used to drink two gallons of milk a week. And I quit drinking milk. And what I noticed was that I apparently have a mucus reaction to milk that I didn't know about and I stopped having sinus infections and I stopped having mucusy problems and I could breathe better. It was unbelievable. Then the next thing I noticed that I gave up was um, a lot of the processed carbohydrates. Like I would eat English muffins In the morning with grape jelly and butter. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is the honest story of me. And I switched that out for more of a protein breakfast. Um, Probably not a very healthy protein, but more of a protein shake. Um, It wasn't until later on that I started doing eggs and chicken sausage and that kind of stuff like I do now, the next thing that I noticed that I added in was more of like a paleo style diet. So I basically cut out a whole bunch of carbs, ate a whole bunch of meat and nuts and seeds and went very paleo, which I believe that for a lot of people that started out CrossFit in those early days, that was, that was the thing. on the paleo diet but nobody really understood what the paleo diet really was I didn't weigh and measure my food I just ate a whole lot of fat basically and I gained a lot of weight and I was like I don't understand I thought I could eat pretty much whatever I wanted as long as I didn't eat legumes carbs so on and so forth once again I didn't know what I didn't know And that diet didn't work. So later on down the road, I start studying for my level three. And in all of the studying for my level three, they talked about the zone diet. And the zone diet was mentioned way back in 2010 when I took my level one. And I was like, that's stupid. I was like, Why would I weigh and measure my food? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I'm never doing that. Which goes to show you my level of maturity back then. So in studying for my level three, it talked about the zone diet. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to do this stupid zone diet thing so that I actually know what it is. And I can apply it. And maybe it'll make me a better coach. So... For the first time in my life, I start weighing and measuring my food based off of the zone diet and these blocks. And I lost a lot of weight. Not trying to, it just happened that way. And the thing with the zone diet, its core principle is that it's enough food to sustain your life and your activity level, but not enough food to sustain your body fat. Well, we're all different. And for some people, certain things work. For some people, other things work. There are some people that can get away with being on a very plant-based diet. There are other people that need more of a carnivore diet. The majority of the, the world needs a balanced diet of all macros, but there are special certain situations that can't support that. Well, for me, the zone diet wasn't enough food to sustain my activity level or my life. It was, I literally felt like I was starving and I lost weight really fast, probably unhealthy fast for me. I mean, I'm not a very big girl to begin with. I weigh 140 pounds. I'm five foot four, 140 pounds. And I lost 10 pounds relatively quick, which for me is a lot. I was like, I don't know that I can do this. But I understood what the zone diet was, and I was better able to prescribe it to other people because I learned through my own lessons. From there, I've done macro counting. I've done calorie counting. I've done bento boxes. Basically, the way I want to live my life is in such a way that I can better help other people live their lives. And this all stems from my experiences growing up and the fact that I don't ever want anybody to feel the way that I felt as a kid being bullied. I don't want anyone to feel that level of insecurity that level of being scared, um, that level of unsure what to do to try to make other people happy because that's not, that's not what li- what life and living is all about. It's about taking care of ourselves. And as I've gone through this life, what I've experienced or what I've learned is that the traumatic experiences that we go through absolutely dictate how we educate and how we change and how we evolve. And that's no different than what we went through in 2020 when, you know, in 2019 when we started to realize that we didn't like people in our business getting hurt and we wanted to do something to be better for our people. When we went through 2020 and businesses shut down, um, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer at the beginning of 2020. So that started the whole thing. Then our business was closed for two months. Then we come back from that and um, CrossFit as a business imploded, which was very traumatic for me because that was a big part of my identity. And I actually spent many hours on the phone with TJ Cooper, who is a godsend and he's an absolutely incredible human being. And I literally cried to him on the phone because it was such a horrible experience. And I was scared. It involved our business. It involved, I was scared for our future. I didn't know what to do. And he helped us through it. Then coming out of that, um, my grandmother passed away and I went home for her funeral and my grandpa passed away at her funeral. Not too long after that, at the end of that week, I make it home and my entire family catches COVID, which in the fall of 2020, COVID sucked took me six months to get over that. In December of 2020, my Nana passed away from COVID. She was my fourth grandparent to die in a 13-month time frame. And that entire year of just back-to-back-to-back, personal and professional, it took a toll on us. And... I wholeheartedly believe once again that everything that we go through, good or bad, sets us up for what's coming next. And when we went through what we went through that year, we realized that we didn't ever want to feel that way again. And we didn't want anybody else to feel that way again. You know, so now here we are full circle from the time I was a kid to now, this, like, how can we better help people to not feel this way? Like, I just watched four people that I love dearly age in a way that made their end not very good. And I don't want anybody to have to experience that. It's awful. It's really not a good quality way to live. And so we immerse ourselves in this education to be able to help people to understand that it's not just working out. It's not just going to the gym. It's not just going to hang out with your friends. If you could see yourself in your 70s and 80s and what your quality of life looks like, like what I saw from my grandparents what Sherry's witnessed with her parents you know maybe people would make see things the way we see things and educate themselves on how to not end up like that barring a tragic accident or disease that's totally out of our control I'm talking about things that are totally within our control the things that we've been through in our life set us up for what's coming next. All of it. The good, the bad. And it's really hard to see during the times of the bad and the times of the hard of what good can come from this. But it can. It really can. And if it were easy... Everybody would do it. Going through the hard stuff is what makes it worth it. It's taken me a long, long time to realize that. You know, a great example of that is during this time... You know, Sherry had back surgery before I met her when she was in her 30s. And when she first started training with me, her back would hurt all the time. Like to the point where she couldn't get off the floor. We'd have a back squat workout and she would call me and she'd be like, Andrea, I literally cannot get off the floor. What am I doing wrong? I was like, I don't know. We'll look at your form. It's got to be a form problem. And she'd feel good for a little while. Then, bam. Deadlift day would happen. Once again, can't get off the floor. She'd be like, I don't understand. I thought I did everything right. I was like, I thought you did too. And then comes shoulder surgery number one. Which, you want to talk about traumatic. Her shoulder surgery on that first one was unbelievably traumatic. And I went to every physical therapy appointment with her so that I could learn what needs to happen in order for her to be able to do what she wants to do next. And she had an incredible physical therapist who was a member of our gym, Monica. And Monica walked with us through that entire, entire rehab process. Told me what needed to happen. Hey, when her shoulder feels like this, it's because of this. When her shoulder does this, she needs to do this and taught us what we needed to know to help her to be able to get through her recovery so that we could start Sherry's recovery back to being able to do what she wanted to do again, which was pull-ups and muscle-ups and working out. So Monica did a great job of getting her to the point to where then we could step in and start doing what was next. And then two years later, shoulder surgery number two happens. And here we are back in this same boat of physical therapy appointments and massage appointments and trying to figure out what we need to do in order to get her back to where she wanted to be again. And once again, I wanted to go to every appointment with every person that she had so that I could learn And learn what she needed in order to get better. So that once again she could get back to doing all of the things that she wanted to do. But in that process it also helped us learn what we needed to do for our own clients. Because we had people coming up to us. We had people that had shoulder surgery. That now they had something in common. With Sherry, hey I just had rotator cuff surgery. How did you come back from this to be able to do pull-ups and all the things that you wanted to do. And if it wasn't for the fact that we had that experience twice, unfortunately, to where she had been through the rotator cuff repair, the labrum repair, the physical therapy, the post-surgery, figuring it out on our own. That's been a big part of what's led us to this change as well. You know, our own people asking for help, ourselves getting beat up and broken and needing answers. Nothing in life just happens. So much of it happens for a reason. And whether you want to call it a calling, you know, that that God's pulled us into this direction and we've had a calling to help people in a different way. You could call it that. You could call it an education. You could call it, like, you can call it an evolution. What I see it as is a desire... To want to help people to our fullest. To our best ability. And. There's nothing that makes us. Happier. Than being able to help people get out of pain. To be able to educate people. So that they don't ever have to feel the way that we have felt. During certain times of our lives. And that's what getting through this. Thing called life is all about. It's about helping others. It's about putting your ego away and understanding that the education and the life experience you have might be something that somebody else needs in their life. And when you get to that point to where the experience and the information you have benefits someone else, that's what success really looks like. It's the true definition of success. So I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to my story. We've been through a lot. And I can only hope that with all of the things that we continue to go through, that we can continue to educate ourselves to be able to help you all even more. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ferrum Athletic Company podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review, share it with your family and friends, share it on your social media platforms. Our mission is to build better humans through the education of health and movement. If this resonates with you, please shoot us an email at forged at FerrumAthletico.com. Follow us on social media, Facebook or Instagram at Ferrum And we will see you all soon. Thank you for helping us to build better humans.